Well, hey, that's a great start to the uh, to the worship gathering. Uh, getting to sing and then getting to see uh, those believers baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And now we get to talk about Christmas. Uh, Christmas is, uh, well, we have different uh, family traditions. Uh, we celebrate differently in, 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 in each of our homes, uh, different things that you do, different songs that you sing, shows that you watch, uh, places that you gather, and, and that's all wonderful. Uh, do your thing, have fun. I uh, want to throw out a little family feud uh, style Christmas trivia for you, and I want you to think about your, your top answer, and then I'll tell you what the survey uh, says on, on that. Uh, so name a Christmas Eve tradition for families. Uh, Christmas Eve tradition for families. Think about your top answer. Uh, the number one is opening one present. Uh, opening one present, gathering up and Christmas Eve, and you can't wait till the morning. Uh, followed closely by dinner at Grandma's, and then we've got going to church. Reading the, the 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 birth of Christ story from the Bible, setting out cookies for Santa, uh, looking at Christmas lights, and then watching Christmas movies. And some of you are like, "Well, that describes that all of that describes our night," and and that's fantastic. Uh, we've got different things. The big thing is that we are celebrating. The birth of Christ. We're celebrating his coming into the world. Uh, we've got increased focus on Jesus throughout the season, and we are all for that. That's what Christmas is. So, what is Advent? Our series that we're starting today is Advent, the coming of a Savior. That's a good question. What is Advent and what does that have to do with Christmas? And so let me just walk us through real quickly what that is. Advent is a time of anticipation and expectation. We are reflecting on the birth of Christ. So we are thinking about and we are celebrating Christmas. We're reflecting on the birth of Christ, but we're also, there's a second side of this, we're also longing for his return. So it has everything to do with the coming of the Savior. We're reflecting back on the first coming of the Savior, and we're longing for his return. Uh, the word uh, advent is derived from the Latin word adventus, uh, meaning coming, and that's a translation of the Greek parousia. Uh, the time period is it runs the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and so that means that advent time starts today. This is the fourth Sunday before Christmas. Uh, I want to share a couple of things that might help us worship Christ throughout this series. Uh, first off is in the back when you leave, you'll notice that we've got Advent uh, reading plan calendars. And also we have got some uh, Advent reading plan bookmarks. And so you can uh, pick one of these up when you leave today and you can hang the poster up on the fridge, use a magnet to move it to the different days if you would like, stick the, the bookmark in your Bible so you can be reading and anticipating the birth of our Savior. Uh, you'll notice that there are a few themes on this with this reading plan. The need for a Savior. And then the second week, the focus is the promise of a Savior. Third week, the wait for a Savior. And then finally, the birth of a Savior. And those are also the four themes of the sermons throughout this series leading up to our candlelight service. 
So that's the first thing that might help us worship Christ throughout the series. The second thing is you might notice this wreath over here to my left and your right, and that's an Advent wreath. And families uh, sometimes this time of year might have one of those in their home or have the candles there. And on each Sunday uh, leading up to Christmas, they'll gather up in their home, read scripture reflecting on the birth of the Savior, pray, and then light one candle. It's simply a way to reflect on the significance of the season and allow the anticipation to build as one candle is lit and then the next week the second candle and then the candle in the center, the fifth candle, will be lit at our candlelight services. You see, we're a church family and so every Sunday in the worship gatherings in our scripture readings, we'll be doing this as well, allowing the anticipation to build as we reflect on the need, the promise, the waiting, and the birth of our Savior. So those are some things that might help us. Now, we said that Advent is about reflecting on the birth and then longing for his return, and so we want to pray, and then we are going to focus on the magnitude of the birth of Christ. So if you will, please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you for sending him to come rescue us because we needed and we need a Savior. Thank you for this time of year where, where we have increased focus on you and your son and help us to worship you well in this time. Open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. The magnitude of the birth of Christ. We cannot overstate the significance of that event in history. And if we're thinking about history and we're thinking about the time towards the end of the Old Testament, the time just before the birth of Christ, and and to help us place our minds around that, some historical, other historical figures uh, that that we might know uh, during this time period. We think about Alexander the Great, Aristotle and Plato just a, a few hundred years before the birth of Christ. We think about Cleopatra and Julius Caesar. So we think about this time in history, And the people of God in that time were living in great anticipation. We're looking back and we're celebrating Christmas. But in that time, they were living and they were expecting and they were hoping and they were waiting on the coming of a Savior. Because there was a need for a Savior. They knew that they were sinners and they needed forgiveness. They needed a rescuer to come. There was a promise of a coming Savior, and they knew that promise, and they were holding on to that promise that we read about in the prophets, that we read about in the Old Testament, that one from the line of Abraham and one from the line of David would come to to rescue his people, and he would be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, Emmanuel. They were clinging to that promise. They were waiting, waiting, waiting for their need to be met, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, for their longing to be satisfied. 
That's what was happening just before the birth of Christ, waiting on the coming of a Savior. Now, we can learn a lot from uh, older, wiser persons with more experience in life. You might think about a grandparent or maybe someone uh, that lives in your neighborhood who's retired and, and maybe you visit with them sometime out in the front lawn. Think about that older, wiser, experienced person, and, and we can learn a lot from them. We can learn a lot just from closing our mouths and listening. Well, this morning, we want to close our mouths and, and, and look into the Word of God and learn a lot from a couple of older, wiser persons named Simeon and Anna. Now, they can teach us about this expectation, this longing, this waiting on the coming of the Savior. They can teach us about the magnitude in history of the birth of Christ. And so let's turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 25, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now Jesus had been born, getting the context here. Jesus had just been born. He was about a week old, and Mary and Joseph had taken him to the temple for worship purposes. And so they arrived there at the temple with the newborn Jesus, the Savior of the world. And we begin reading in verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Simeon had been waiting looking forward to this day for a long time. If we look back in verse 25, the Greek word that's translated eagerly waiting is prosdekomai. It means to, to look forward with hope, to look forward with joy, with anticipation. And I want us to hold on to that uh, for just a little bit. Prosdekomai, to, to look forward to, to anticipate with joy the arrival of someone. Let's continue reading in verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. Just pause right there for a moment, and we think about, uh, we think about circumstances in life. We think about loss. We think about pain. We think about tragedy. This woman, Anna, had been married and she was widowed early on in that marriage and then lived as a widow up into her uh, 
later years, but this was not a wasted life. This was not a what a shame life. She was a worshiping widow, and what a beautiful picture of life that we have here with Anna. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Verse 38, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. So Simeon had, had come to the temple. He had seen, he had been eagerly waiting, he had been looking forward to, he had been told he was clinging to the promise that the Savior would come, and then he saw the Christ. He saw Jesus, and he was celebrating, and he was praising God, and about that time, Anna is there. And she heard Simeon talking with Mary and Joseph in verse 38. She began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. In this time, they were, they were waiting. They were looking forward to the arrival of the rescuer. We look back and we reflect on the magnitude, but for them it was the other way around. They were looking forward to. But we also find ourselves in a similar situation to the people of Israel that were living in this time. We also find ourselves in a similar situation to, to all, to everyone, as verse 38 says, everyone who had been waiting expectantly. We also find ourselves in a similar situation to all the people of God who needed a Savior, who were clinging to the promise of a Savior, who were waiting for the arrival of a Savior, because we too are living in a time, we're living in a broken, hurting world, and we need the Savior to return. We're living in a time where we're clinging to the promises from the Word of God that He will come back and that He will make all things right and that He will put an end to death and to crying and to pain. And we're clinging to those promises and we are waiting, waiting, waiting for our longing to be satisfied. We're waiting on our need to be met. And so we find ourselves in a similar situation with the people of Israel and that's what Advent is reflecting on the magnitude of the birth of Christ and longing for his return. We think about anticipation, uh, anticipation of an event uh, or the arrival uh, of someone. And, and, and so we could think about house guests that we're looking forward to seeing, but in this, this season, we're, we're not having a lot of house guests because of you know, this sickness that has rocked our world uh, this year and has led many to put up Christmas decorations and start Christmas traditions early this year. But if we're thinking about anticipation of an event or the arrival of someone, well, that anticipation affects, affects our lives now because it consumes our thoughts. We're thinking about what's going to happen. We're thinking about when it's going to happen. Uh, we're thinking about the person who is coming. We're thinking about the event that is on the calendar down the road. And it also affects our present actions because we are doing things to get ready. We are doing things to prepare for that event or that person. Think about a wedding. If, a, if, if you have a wedding on the calendar, you're looking forward to that and you're thinking about that. You're lying in bed at night uh, uh, excited about it, thinking about all of the details. And you're also, it's, it's affecting your present actions because you're making plans, you're making calls, you're scheduling things, you're getting things ready for that day. 
So what does longing for Christ's return, what does anticipating Christ's return look like? How does that consume our thoughts and affect our present actions? Well, let's look at the Word of God in Titus chapter 2. New Testament letter, Titus chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 11. For the grace of God has been revealed. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And right here, we're thinking about the arrival. We're thinking about the birth of Christ. We're thinking about him coming into the world. And we're thinking about him giving up his life for all of mankind. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. So in this New Testament letter here, we, real, we, we, we read that the grace of God has been revealed. We, we, we read that the Savior has come, and that's what we're looking back on now. And that, that we're looking back and celebrating now that the Savior has come, the grace of God has been revealed. But it also points to something else, and it points to the time that we're living in now, where we can look back on that, but we can also look forward to another arrival. We can look forward to another event. Look in verse 13, where it says, look forward with hope, and that's that same word that's used to describe Simeon waiting expectantly. Prosdecomai, to look forward. In Luke, Simeon and the people of God were looking forward to the birth. And now in Titus, the church, us, we're looking forward to the return of the Savior. So how are we to, what does it look like to live in anticipation with great expectation to the, to the return of our Savior? Well, it means receiving his, receive his grace and then live in his grace. Receive his grace. Receive God's undeserved kindness. Believe in Jesus, as it says there in verse 14, who gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his own people. And so if we're going to be living in anticipation of his return, we're going to receive that grace. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be adopted into God's family we're going to profess, as, as, as several did this morning, that, hey, we are followers of Jesus. We have been washed. We have been cleansed. We have been changed. We're a part of his big, sweet family now. So we're going to receive his grace. We're going to put our trust in the one who came to rescue us. And then we're also going to live in his grace. What does the scripture say here in verse 12? We're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures 
We should live with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So to live in his grace is to be devoted to God, to be set apart, living for him. And then in verse 14, it says that we are his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds or good works, zealous for good works. And so we're to be devoted to God, living for him, not not ourselves, not trying to blend into the world, but we are devoted to him living his way. And then zealous or eager, totally committed to good works. How can I serve Jesus? Who can I tell? Who can I help follow Jesus with me? Totally committed to those good works. Receive his grace. Live in his grace. Uh, a question that I like to ask uh, my kids uh, after we watch a movie, after we read a book, after uh, we have some experiences, okay, rate it, scale of 1 to 10, you know, how, how good was that? And so scale of 1 to 10, I want you to think about what is your level of anticipation? What is, how, how, is it consuming your, your thoughts, the return of the Savior? Is it affecting your present actions and how you are devoted to God? living according to, 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 to his way, zealous, eager for good works? What's your, what's your level of anticipation? One being you hardly ever think about it, doesn't affect your present life at all. Ten B, you can't get it off your mind. You tell everybody you meet about Jesus, and, and you go to bed dreaming about heaven at night. Uh, some questions that might help you think about uh, where you might put yourself on that scale, one to ten, would be, uh, have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you received his grace? Do you often think or, or talk about heaven with others? Think about that living devoted to God if we're living in his grace. Uh, what's your level of integrity and character? Or is there stuff that you're hiding? Is there stuff that you're holding on to? What's your level of integrity and character? How much of your time... How much of your talents, your gifts, how much of your treasure, your finances, your resources is, is committed to Jesus and, and in his care? We could say, oh, yeah, we know he's going to come, but do we really need to be consumed with this thought? Do we really need to... To, 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 to have this, you know, uh, concern us, to have this affect our actions, this thought of Christ returning? Yes, we do. If we look in Scripture, we see it was all about the rescuer coming, and now it's all about the rescuer coming again. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul closes his letter to the church at Corinth. In chapter 16, verse 22, he closes with an Aramaic phrase, Maranatha, which means, come, Lord Jesus. He writes this letter to them, how they are to be living, how they are to be worshiping God, how, are they to be, how they are to be living with integrity and character, how they're to be living set apart, how they're to be loving one another, caring and kind and forgiving one another. And he closes that letter with this expression, come Lord Jesus. And then the last, the last followed immediately by the grace 
of the Lord Jesus be with you. Because if we're going to be longing for his return, come Lord Jesus, we're going to be receiving his grace and we're going to be living in his grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And then we look to the end of the Bible. Revelation, the last, the last book in the word of God. And we go to Revelation 22. And how does the Bible close? What well, closes with the same desire, the same longing for his return. In Revelation 22 verse 20. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And then the last verse, it's followed immediately by this. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Because as we're longing for his return, we need to be receiving his grace and living in his grace totally devoted and committed to serving him. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and join uh, me on stage uh, because we're about to get ready to sing some more. Uh, We're about to get ready uh, for the scripture reading that expresses the need for a savior and the first uh, candle in the advent wreath is, is going to be lit. And as we are transitioning to, to that part of this worship gathering, singing and praising God, uh, I want to close with this prayer uh, that I read several years ago in a book, Seeing and, Saving, Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ by John Piper. Uh, and the prayer that, that I read there uh, was very convicting to me uh, as it helped reveal my apathy towards the return of our Savior It revealed to me how little I thought about and how little it affected my life. We're going to notice in this prayer an expression of sorrow and repentance for not truly living in anticipation, prosdecamai, of Christ's return. And we're also going to notice a desire to have that longing, to have that desire in our hearts. And we talk a lot about praying scripture and that, how do I pray? You can just pray the word of God. One thing that you might notice in this prayer is that it is full of scriptural references. As I read this, my mind goes to Corinthians and to Philippians and to Colossians and to the Gospels. And so the, the, the words will be on the screen and I want you just to follow along as I read it out loud. And let's process this in our minds and in our hearts Forgive us, Father, for our indifference to the coming of your Son. We have not kept our lamps of expectation burning or bought the oil of eagerness in hope for the bridegroom to return. We have bought a field and gone to look at it. We have bought oxen and spent time ooing and awing over their height and weight. We have married a wife and desired her more than the coming of your son. O Lord, forgive us. We are sorry for the dishonor that our wondering affections show to you and your servant, Jesus. But Lord, we are eager to change. And we come to you for help. Incline our hearts to Christ. Open our eyes to the glory of Christ. Make the appearing of our great God and Savior 
a blessed hope in our hearts, a happy hope, a satisfying hope. Break our addiction to this world. Cause us to set our minds on things that are above where Christ is seated at your right hand. Work in us the command of Peter to hope fully in the grace of God that is coming at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Free us from the anxieties that come from too much dependence on earthly circumstances. Form us into a radical band of risk-takers in the cause of love because we know that this mortal flesh will put on immortality and this body of lowliness will be transformed into a body like Christ's glorious body. We love you, Father. We love your Son's appearing. Grant us to live out this hope in the freedom of self-sacrifice to the glory of your great grace. And I ask you to stand with me. In Jesus' name, amen.